Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number one with our guest, Michael Marcial. On today's episode... You know, for me, I realized that if I wanted a different future, if I wanted a different past even, I could only create in the now. I could only create it right now. And um, once I woke up to that idea... Then I started making better decisions, stronger decisions, bolder decisions. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, hey there. How exciting is this? Welcome to the inaugural episode of The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. And as you know or may know, each week I sit down with a successful entrepreneur who earlier in their career found themselves frozen by fear and in a perhaps dark or depressed state that they have successfully gotten themselves out of and achieved a level of success as they define it. And what I really like to do is while sure in each episode we discuss the achievements and the resume or credits of the guest, that's not what this is about. This is always about the person behind the success. That's what excites and intrigues me. That's what I like digging deep into, going back to the guest's even childhood to determine what shaped them as a person? What did they go through as a person that set them on the path to get to where they are today? And that's what I find fascinating. I go as deep as the guest will allow, and I find that's where we find those incredibly fascinating discussions. So that's my promise to you each and every week. Again, this is the inaugural episode. And my, my, my guest today is, it's very fitting that my first guest is Michael Marcial. It's fitting for a variety of reasons because I've known Michael for a while. I've worked closely with him for a while. I've been part of his community. He has had a big hand, really, on 
getting this brand of mine and certainly this podcast over all of mine to the place where it is and where it will go. He knows that. And uh, a lot of credit needs to go to him for working alongside me to help me get to this place. So for that, I'm grateful and I'm excited to welcome him to our very first episode. As you'll hear, Michael almost inadvertently discovered an interesting and life-changing concept at one of the lowest points in his life. Having left behind the corporate consulting world early in his career, he felt he was also leaving behind his identity. Wow, something we could all certainly relate to, I'm sure. The very things that became who he was and how he defined himself were no longer part of his life. This led him to a six-month-long, spiraling down state of depression that, get this, left him without a place to live, a failed marriage, and a one-year-old daughter to still parent. Whew. The life-changing concept came to Michael once he embraced accountability and responsibility. He maturely thought if he was the one who created all of the depressing circumstances he found himself surrounded with, then surely he can also be the one to create a magnificent and positive future. Amazing concept, right? I thought so. So without further ado, let's connect the dots and listen in on my discussion with Michael Marcial. Well, look at that. Here we are. It is. I am so excited to be joined by you. Look at that. It is right there. Michael Marcial. What's going on, my friend? Oh, man. I, I can't even tell you how pumped I am to be here with you, Josh. Like this, this whole concept just lights me up and I'm really pumped that you're bringing this content to light. It just Man, it just really, it needs to be seen and heard. So I'm, I'm pumped. Well, I appreciate that very much. Uh, let's start with you. I, for, for, for the record, no better place to start today. I know that you are the, you're the founder, you're the creator of the five-figure work week. Give us the core. What exactly is that? Yeah, five-figure work week. It, it's really, um, you know, it's the, the love child or maybe the brain child or combination thereof of my 14 plus years of experience as a quote unquote entrepreneur, coach, mentor, speaker. And man, there's just so much content out there today that is, is geared towards helping entrepreneurs to grow, build a business of their own. But I feel like there's so, so much missing, um, from what that really looks like. And it's, it, it can be really difficult, but it doesn't have to be. And so the five figure work week, I just, I just get to share in a mastermind setting, what I believe it really looks like to see success in your business um, and in your life. And, you know, there's some unique thoughts in there, but it's, you know, tried and true over the last decade plus, And uh, I get to share that with now 4,500 other 
um, amazing entrepreneurs. That's incredible. So obviously you are successful, quote unquote. And I say that because you also used the word success. And it's such a intriguing or interesting word because everybody sort of defines it personally. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. Success is so subjective um, and objective, I think, at the same time. You know, and so for me, success success is a feeling um, that I carry. It's not a destination. You know, I guess it would be part of the journey, if you if you will. But success um, is, I think, more of a mindset for me. I feel successful. I feel great about what I do, and um, and so that's what I carry. That's that's what makes it a success for me. Um, what about you yeah. is successful today? You said you feel successful. What elements in your life today allow you to wake up with a smile, with passion, feeling success for you personally? Yeah, success for me, for me personally means I live a life that I uh, feel in part a designer of. And I say in part because you know, I have my own personal beliefs. I have a higher power. And uh, more credit there than than is for me, but at the same time, like I feel like I get to live a life by design versus default. You know, I'm not waking up going to some doing, you know, going through the motions of life, both personally and professionally. I just feel like I'm freaking on fire all the time, um, and I just, you know, that's success to me, where I get to live a life. I want versus something that I just I need to do. So kind of a thing. I'm I'm sure it wasn't always that way for you. In fact, I know it wasn't always that way for you because I know your story and we're going to get into that. I love that you said it, it allows you to live a life by design. So when I hear that on paper, anybody listening might think, well, sure. Yeah, I want to live a life by design. But for whatever reason, it's not always possible. What might be getting in the way or what got in the way for you that today you can live by design? Two things. One is belief. Okay. Like if you believe that your life is uh, just – it's set out in front of you and it's just going to take its course. You're going to live through it. Um, that's a belief. And, you know, I, I love to think of – the fluffy stuff, like my life is all planned out, and I, I believe that's to be that's that's true. But I think there's a linchpin in your life where you realize that you actually have decision, you have free will in what that actually gets to look like. And for me, I this is where I was living. It was in a state of denial that I did have choice in what my future looked like, in what my present moment looked like, and in fact, what my past looked like. You know, I, I came to a realization. You know, I'm sure we'll get into my story. It's, you know, it's, it's not, I don't think it's, it's super unique, but um, it is for me. It's my, you know, I, I've only lived through it once, but, you know, for me, I realized that if I wanted a different future, if I wanted a different past, even I could only create in the now, I could only create it right now. And um, once I woke up to that idea, then I started making better decisions, stronger decisions, bolder decisions. And, uh, and that, that taking action on those things, um, the things I've always wanted, uh, man, it's, it's changed life. How dark was the dark just so we can drop there and then work our way back? Because today you are successful in many various ways, externally, internally, how you define it, how others perceive it. But give us an, uh, an idea of what the dark day was like. So we have reference. The dark, like I feel like there should be like some sort of thundery, like stormy sounds in the background here. 
in a world, right? Like, like some sort of, anyway, like, so the dark, I can make so much light of it, but in the dark, the darkest parts, it was, it was just utter, um, I, I would almost say defeat. Um, but it was, it was more just like a, a just nonchalant living life. And what it felt like was I could take or leave this, this world. I could either be here or not. And it wouldn't make a difference. I don't make a difference. I don't matter. You know, like, um, for me, what led to that was nine years of, um, uh, of feeling like I was fulfilled in life. Um, growing up, we're, I wouldn't say we're super poor or anything like that, but we weren't, you know, we weren't well off at all, struggled, single mom, uh, three kids. Um, she worked full time to provide what she could. And now that I was an adult, um, I wanted something different. I wanted to create something different for my family. So I slaved away since I was 15 years old. I worked full time, um, to, to make something. And, you know, here I was, I was, you know, a young kid, 19 years old, started consulting with these larger and larger companies. And I was seeing success, six figure income, living a lifestyle now, now married baby on the way, but I was still working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, which to me was fine. Like I, I, I felt like there was a sense of pride in that. Like I could do this week in and week out for years. I, I can do this to provide what, what I wanted to provide for my family. But what I realized though, was that all of that was very much so external. It wasn't who I was. It was just what I was doing. And man, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks when my now former wife said, Hey, you know, like we're not connecting, you know, and, and we're drifting apart. And now I see that my now, you know, almost one year old daughter is, you know, she's growing up and I'm, I'm at work coming home after she's in bed, going to work before she's awake not being there for my daughter, like my dad wasn't for me. And that hit me like a, like a, like a freight train. And, um, you know, as soon as I made the decision to kind of part ways with consulting and do more coaching and mentoring, that's when, that's when everything kind of hit for me. I realized that I'd given up most of my identity, hmm. you know, being this, this hotshot young consultant dude, right? That was my identity. Now it's gone. Um, realized how far apart my now former wife and I had grown. Now I'm not the family man as we go through a separation and divorce. Those were my identities. That's how I identified myself. And now I didn't have that. I realized I didn't know who I was. And over six months, I slipped into this nice little bubble bath I call a depression. And I just, I stopped living life. I really did. I, I, I didn't work. I didn't socialize. I, I didn't take care of my physical body, my emotional needs. Um, just, you name it. I, I just stopped. And, um, it wasn't until the day that I was politely asked to, uh, leave my apartment that I couldn't afford anymore and was, you know, two months behind on rent. Um, and I had to sleep in my car that I realized that I had created this. There's no, there's nobody else I could blame or put this on. It was on this guy, and I had to take ownership of that. And what I come to, to learn, this word, is accountability uh, for what I had created. And it was in that moment where I realized I created that. I can create whatever it is that I want. I created this situation that I was in, the circumstances that I, were, that I was in. But that's where I realized. I was like, hey, 
if I want a different future, I can create that too. You know, if I want a different story in my past, I can create that right now by taking different action, making different decisions. And so, man, but it was, it was hard. It was really, really hard to not be able to have my daughter over the weekends, right? Or have enough money to like really like buy her a toy. Like we were going to McDonald's on the dollar menu and she was the only one eating, right? Like that's where, that's where I was. And I felt like a piece of fill in the blank, right? And um, I didn't want that. And so that, you know, it was almost a simultaneous thing. I felt like the lowest of the low. And in that, I felt this incredible sense of empowerment that I created this. I could take accountability. But if I could create such depth, I could create such highs. Mm. And that was freaking empowering um, in itself. Such a wonderful dialogue thank you by the way you said so much that i've i've jotted down i want to touch upon uh one of the things you mentioned is that you were at a point where you felt you could literally take or leave this life and really i mean i i've i've been there a, a lot you know my darkest days thankfully they're they're behind me but um man for for so long you're just going through life laying in bed questioning everything really thinking about, does it matter? Do I matter? And the answer at that moment is always the same. Well, no, 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 and no. So what is, what am I here for? What difference am I making? Who am I impacting? You certainly have no self-worth, self-value, self-esteem, and you can't find any through anybody else. But the irony is that it's got to start from within. So magnificent stuff you brought up. Um, I want to go back um, some, some years to paint the picture for me. Um, toddler Michael Martial, just playing. Ooh. What was that? What was that childhood like? Oh, I love this question. And by the way, like I wish, Josh, that I had you in my life four and a half years ago. Mm. Um Man, what you just said, that's exactly what it is. But anyway, you know, back in the day, okay, back in the day, little tiny Mikey, um, this is this is honestly, and I haven't shared this before, so I really appreciate this question. Um, I always felt like I didn't fit in, um, even as a, a small, small child. Um, I had actually developed a pretty interesting way of coping with that, um, which was acting out. Um, I was... Uh, I wasn't, I wouldn't call myself a bully, but I was very reactionary, you know? So for example, I have a little sister, um, we call her Betsy and whenever, you know, it, it, again, single mom. So we're always in daycare, um, during the day. That's where, you know, so she's my, you know, she's my, the thing I get to protect, you know, I didn't have that, that feeling of being protected. And I feel like I was, I, I projected that onto my little sister. Anytime somebody would look at her the wrong way. Anytime somebody would say something to me or to her, it was game on. It was fists flying. And I, you know, even to this day, I don't quite understand. I mean, I, I can logically understand it, but, you know, there's a part of me that still doesn't understand my, my younger self that I was, I got into fights so often, not just with, you know, kids my age, but it was, it was my teachers. I mean, I've, 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 I've literally fought teachers and like today it, it baffles me as to, where that reactionary kind of angry little kid came from. But having said that, 
um, there was an underlying theme that I didn't belong. I didn't fit in. And I carried that through college, through, you know, a majority of my life where, you know, when I was in preschool, I wanted to be in kindergarten because I felt like maybe I'd fit in there. Kindergarten, I thought, you know, if I'm if I could be in junior high school by now, I feel like I'd fit in better. Got into junior high school and, you know, I wanted to be in high school and high school I didn't quite fit in. But, I, you know, I, I had plenty of friends, right? It, it was just like I didn't have a click, if you will. And I was like, okay, I can't wait till college. I feel like that's where I get to fit in. Got to college and I was like, I, I, I don't belong here either. I don't understand this. And um, that's when I realized that I'd been playing my life a little bit too small. Um, that's when I realized that I had much more greatness inside of me than I realized. And um, lo and behold, when I had these kind of epiphanies, these ahas, um, that's when opportunity started to present itself in different ways. And when I turned 19, it's my second year of college, um, I was presented with an opportunity to consult my very first company. And uh, that's when Lightbulb City went off. And I realized that I had the, I, I was bred for something bigger. And that was going to pull me in the direction that I needed to, uh, uh, to be to serve and to impact people like you'd mentioned. And uh, the, the one word is entrepreneurship. It was taking control. It was doing things the way that I thought and felt they should be done. Um, and man, it, but that's from childhood. Like I didn't belong in the normal system. I needed to create something of my own. And I believe that in itself is entrepreneurship. Mm, sounds like, Michael, you are reading from my biography. I mean, no, <laughs> no secret. I very similar, uh, you know, neglectful feelings as a child. I, too, felt like I wasn't properly cared for and I was alone and I couldn't connect or relate to anybody as a five-year-old, seven-year-old, 10-year-old. And, and like you said, just, oh, come on, right around the corner. Oh, a, a, a new school, a new neighborhood, a new activity. This is going to be it. And guess what? You're the common denominator and you just don't wind up connecting and you feel more isolated than ever. Personally, I had the, um, my, my good fortune came in eighth grade when I tried out inadvertently for the uh, school play and wound up getting some, um, I, I, I got the role of the comic relief, which uh, who knew, but people started laughing with me and at me on stage and applauding. And I was like, here it is. That's all I need. I, I didn't know how superficial it was, but I was like, yes, thank you for acknowledging me. So cut to 15 plus years pursuing that dream as an actor filmmaker oh you know I, I loved it for what it was and had some great credits under my belt but then quickly realized oh my god this whole time I've been searching for the respect and admiration externally and still wondering why it is short-lived or superficial because there was nothing internal about it where, I love that thank you man where was where was your father growing up? Yeah, he he and my mom divorced when I was young. I was uh, let's see, I would have been two and a half, three years old, um, and so he. I, I grew up in Chicago, so he uh, he was there in Chicago, and then my mom and my older brother, younger sister, we moved to a south suburb to be closer to my uh, my grandma. So uh, he was in Chicago. We were we were forty five minutes away in a suburb. Hmm. 
you you mentioned that when you were 19, uh, that's when you, you found that consulting path and things seemingly were on the up. But then also, I'm sure we then in your story still have to get to the point where you um, you went you know, emotionally down and contemplating, you know, what it all means and are you, uh, you know, making any impact. So how did that, how did that connect from that seemingly uptick when you were 19 and consulting to another downfall? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's, it's the same, it's, it's very similar to your story where I found something external for myself. I was finding, I was finding recognition for my skills finally. And I was like, here I am. This is the applause, right? Like, here we go. This is what I've been looking for. This is it. And I go for it. And I'll tell you what, man, I've never seen if, – if we want to talk about success in the form of numbers, I've never seen so much success in my life. You know, working with a, a really small company that was barely able to pay their employees to, uh, to doing – um, some really just crazy things in their business, um, you know. And I will never in my life take any of this 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 nine year stretch of my life for granted because I learned so so much. Um, but having said that, uh, you know, I was I it was still what's around the corner, what's around the corner. This company eventually sells. I I leverage my success there for larger larger and larger companies. Eventually, working with a company that was doing three hundred and fifty million dollars a year as a 24-year-old. And here's where it becomes really interesting, is that now, fast forward, I'm now 28 when I decide to leave consulting. That's when I realized all the external, that's all it was. It was just external. Um, and I was inadvertently diving into something that would not allow me to get to the root of what I was feeling. Oh man, did that hurt? Like I'm, I, cause here I am split in two. I'm like, oh my gosh, well I've seen all this success. That means I'm successful. Okay, I've, I, this is all external, but now it's gone, and I still have to face all of this stuff from childhood that's coming up for me. Where I like, and herein lies the interesting part is again, like simultaneously, I get to take accountability for my own life. And how I've re re reacted and, re and, and responded to it, um, and what's caused me to to feel so freaking uh, empty and isolated, and um, at the same time, it was empowering. It was a really interesting aha to say, "Holy crap! If I can create this emotionally drained feeling, like I like 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 even even at that point, suicide was." I was detached from, from that emotionally. I didn't care. It was like, okay, well, I could either kill myself or I could go eat a cheeseburger, right? It was on the same level for me. It was so bizarre for me. And I'll tell you what, though. Life has a funny way of teaching you things. And when my daughter was uh, a year, maybe just over a year and a half years old, not two yet, um, and, and people people look at me funny when I say this. My daughter, I have a video that just popped up on my Facebook, like memories. My daughter was just about a year and a half, and we're talking, we're having a conversation. She's extremely uh, smart, um, very uh, wide vocabulary, and 
even when she's one and a half, we're, we're talking. Like, she's talking about her face and, like, her body parts and her hair. Like, anyway, she's very, very bright. So a little – a couple of months past that, um, here we are. I tell her I can't have her over the weekend. Okay, then we're just going to go get dinner and I'm going to bring her back to her mom's place. And so she asks why, and I tell her it's pretty straightforward that I don't have a place for us to live right now. I, you know, I don't have a, a safe place for her. Now, here's how her brain works. Now, this is going to blow my mind again. This is what she says to me because I've taught her the power of money and income that, like, if she wants a toy, we have to pay money. And what do we, how do we get the money? We work for it. Okay, so she understands this concept, and so she's in the back in her little car seat, and we're driving to like McDonald's probably to get her some chicken nuggets or whatever, and she's, she looks at me, and she's like, well, make more money. Make more money. <laughs> I look at her in the rearview mirror, and I'm just shaking, like just bobbing my head and just contemplating what she just said to me, and it blew my socks off. What I got from that was – like, dad, just take action, like do something. If you want to take care of me, and this is deep, right? Like, if you want to take care of me, then do it, right? And internally, I'm thinking, man, I just wish my dad would have taken care of me this way. Yeah. And I have the opportunity, really the ability to do that, even though I'm sleeping in my car, to take care of my daughter. The thing I want the most is to be a fantastic dad to her. And I'm allowing what? I'm allowing my emotion to, to beat me down. I'm allowing my childhood to beat, beat us up as you know, father-daughter relationship. No way. And I wasn't going to have that. I wasn't going to have that. Wow. So much, so much. Let me focus and get this in line here. First of all, I, I have a five-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son, and I know firsthand how many lessons there are from them, from watching them. Because you, Michael, you when, when she said that to you, well, Daddy, just make more money, you could have reacted, oh, stop it, keep, you know, and, and just shot her down or blocked it or gotten, gotten your ego in the way and maybe gotten insulted. Well, it's not that easy. And whatever you mm -hmm. could have done, you could have done a hundred different things but you were open because one word you said now a couple of times is accountability and it's also in the same vein as responsibility that is the truth of every single matter no matter what we're talking about here you tomorrow today next month whatever you are living you must own it you must take accountability and responsibility for every single thing i know it's tough i know sometimes it sounds counterintuitive but that's the game and that's the win it, you you have to accept that you are responsible for your emotions for your choices for your actions consciously or subconsciously and once you wrap your mind body and soul around that things start opening up do you agree one million percent. And therein lies the power. I mean, we've been so downtrodden for however long, right? We've not been taking action against the things that we've wanted for so long. And one, we're, you're not alone in that. There's a world of people. Now, I mean, 
it's crazy. Like I speak around the world. Last year I spent 60 days on stage, 60. And when I tell, tell my story, when it's, it's that kind of a talk and I ask like, who else has been here? Are you sleeping in your car, sleeping on a friend's couch, just feeling like the world has defeated you. You have no power or control in your life. 90% of the hands go up. We're not alone here. Okay. I'm not alone here. And the, the, the power in lies that aha moment where you're like, holy shnikes, I created this. I created this. Now, I'm just, I like to encourage people to know that if you could create that, what else can you do? Right? Like, if you actually have control, if you subconsciously have created this circumstance, uh, or if you just find yourself haphazardly, right? If you're not to that point where you understand that you have accountability and responsibility here, you'd also have the power to create something so much different in your life. You know, and this, this story isn't for everyone, right? Like not everybody's like, oh my gosh, I'm super depressed, right? But maybe we're, we're afraid or we have these beliefs in place that would keep us hidden, so to speak, keep us in this place of not taking action against what we want, um, allowing us to make excuse after excuse, whereas the people that are succeeding, quote unquote succeeding, are the ones that are taking action towards what they want. Yes, yes, and I've I've been there, you've been there, I'm sure many of our listeners have been there or are there, and I just love how you framed it. It's it's such a such an an evolved um, idea for you to be able to, to to say to yourself, "Wow, if I if I am the creator of these dark, less than ideal moments." certainly I can be the creator of the opposite because all too often when we see and experience what we don't want, that's the opportunity. That's when we are shown with a massive spotlight exactly what we do want. And we have that power and capability for certain. I want to pivot specifically, Michael, to the word fear and how you relate to that today and also in your past. Looking back on your, your history, your story, your life in the past, what were you afraid of? Ooh. All right, so you wanna go deep. I see what's happening here, okay. All right. No, I would say afraid. Um, I was afraid of my potential, I would say. Um, meaning that I'd always felt that there was something bigger out there for me. And I know from a number of years I ignored that. And it was because I was afraid of it. I was afraid that I wasn't going to be uh, equipped enough, smart enough, able enough, um, good enough, just enough, like all of those enoughs. And I ignored it. you know. And it was the same thing that pulled me through my childhood. It was the same thing that allowed me to um, do really well in school, perform well in, you know, activities and sports. And like, I just wanted to be the best always, um, at least the best of my capabilities. And then I ignored it. I became, you know, quote unquote, an adult. And I, 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 I kind of um, fell back to what was easiest. Consulting, using social media, growing businesses, that was easy for me. And it wasn't the thing that really lit me up. I was seeing the applause, right? Like I was on stage, people are laughing along and 
and clapping, but that was the, that was the easy thing at the same time. Now it might've been different or, you know, different than, than the person next to me. And maybe even like, you know, I did get a lot of praise for what I was doing, but it was still very simple for me. And in, in doing so, I was, I was ignoring my potential. I was, I think I was afraid of it. And, you know, it's interesting when life, um, brings you to that place, that, that humble spot of just saying, Hey, well, Michael, now you're sleeping in your car. Like now what? What are you going to do now? Are you going to keep ignoring this or do you need to do you need to maybe not have a car? Like do you need to sleep on the street? Do you need to maybe humble yourself and ask your family for some help or some friends? Like what do you need to be able to see this? Right? And that's what I needed. I needed that defeat, quote unquote, um, to humble me, hit me in the pride and my ego before I could see what was really going on. So I was afraid of my potential until uh, the world knocked me down a peg or two and uh, I had nothing, nothing left but, but that potential, that fiery passion inside that I've been ignoring for years. Again, it's like you are um, the narrator on Audible of my biography. It's like <laughs> the Josh Carey story read by Michael Marcial. There you go. <laughs> Josh Carey, right. when he was 12 years old. And, <laughs> right? Like, I can not, totally do it. I can totally yes, do it. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk. Um, but right. <laughs> um, it's the same. It, it's really the same thing because um, to, to parallel, as a child, when I felt neglected and I couldn't relate or connect to anybody, I, I didn't use these words as a young child, but deep down inside, I knew I was like, what is wrong with these people? What's wrong with these people? Right. There's my Seinfeld <laughs> impression. But in all seriousness, I knew that like, wait, why? I was just confused out of my mind. I was like, why do people keep ignoring me or not giving me the time of day or not acknowledging me or connecting with me or loving me, what have you? And I was like, darn, I feel that there's I, I, I'm sure I'm better than this. But then, you know, life gets you um you know, moved along. And then as a young adult and whatnot, like you said, I just, I just played small. I felt like, mm -hmm. well, if as a child, this was happening to me and people were just, you know, turning their backs on me, that's the only world I knew. And I showed up not only playing small, but I showed up in the role through much of my life, adult life included. I showed up in the role that I thought would make others happy and that would just keep a safe environment. Mm. That's the mask I put on. I became the person in any situation that was expected from them. So I played this part that now I'm showing up in life, in relationships, in social, in business, as somebody completely else and you know that's freaking disastrous and because i'm not myself i'm not comfortable in my own skin i barely know who i am anymore i was just i had an air of immaturity to say the least and everything would become a joke because i became that court jester guy that's what just kept me safely distanced from people so i never knew how to have just a normal adult conversation Totally get it. Totally get it. Well, and that's the word safety. You know, we feel like safety is the thing that's going to actually keep us safe. And it's actually not. It's a, it's a funny little paradox. You know, when you think about your world as a bubble around you, this thick, filmy bubble, 
Well, everything that you've never had, any the person that you've never been, the you know, all of those things are outside the bubble. And if you reach through that bubble, if you even reach, you could pop that thing and everything you know is safety is gone. And the funny part is that the safety isn't in the bubble. The safety is 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 on the other side. It's it's an understanding that the resistance you feel when you push against that thing is fake. That's what fear is, not being able to understand that you can actually move through the film of your life, the masks you wear, the safety you feel is real. Safety is an illusion. Fear is an illusion. And if we understand both of those things, then we understand we can move through that bubble pretty easily into and, and it's not necessarily easy, right? It's not necessarily easy. Um, you'll feel it. That's what transition is. It's it's you know a, a, the 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 difference between who you are now and who you will be. That's a a change. It's just like anything else. Growing bones ache, okay. But if we can move through that that filmy thing that we call safety, then we realize what real safety is. Real safety is not um, is not being loved for the masks you wear. Safety is being loved for who you really are. Does that make sense? Like that's what real safety is. Chilling, chilling, chilling. And the the idea, like you said, it is all a paradox because much of my life to date has been that masked person thinking that it's safety and I'm showing up to every single interaction as somebody else trying to protect myself. And guess what? The minute that I'm able to release all that, like you said, now with this clearer conscious and this clearer approach and honest and truthful approach to everything, that's the safety because now I can't be hurt. Think about that. Now that I've released all that, I was continue all those years that I was protecting myself and thinking that I'm being safe, I was never, I was still getting kicked and, and, and clawed at still. And that became part of the frustration and aggravation. But the minute I released all that and work on it every minute of every day, that's when I'm safe because now those elements, those people, those situations can't touch me. Boom. I mean, that's, you nailed it. I, I, I don't think I can follow that up with anything. Cool. You know, I, so I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> who, growing up, who was your hero? You know, the first two people that simultaneously popped into my mind, uh, my mom and my grandmother. Why? Mom and grandma. Why is that? Um, you know, I see, you know, here's the interesting thing. Like growing up, seeing my mom take care of three kids really well for the means that she had. Um, that was real strength. That was love. That was a lot of things. And um, I've learned so many powerful lessons from my mom. And, you know, it, it's interesting growing up and, you know, having my grandmother in my life until I was uh, about 15 years old. She, she taught me a lot of interesting things. Um, you know, I think subconsciously I always understood that when my mom was in a pinch, my grandma was there. My grandma was there to help. She was, she was there to, to assist. And um, <laughs> she taught me um, at a young age to play piano. 
Send in the clowns was the was the the song that I learned. Beautiful and, uh, song, beautiful she, song. I mean, it, she's a pianist, and so she's you know she plays it beautifully, and I, I learned the basic version of it. But um, it taught me patience. It taught me um, control. It taught me um, it taught me so much about myself and what it meant to be great at something. Um, and she's also the same person that taught me to chew my food seventy five times. Um, you know, she was like, you know, you're going to digest better. She didn't talk like this, by the way, but that's my grandma voice. You're going to digest better. You'll, <laughs> you'll feel better. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that sounds great. Feeling good. And so even today, like if you ever watch me eat, it's like I'm the last one at the table. Uh, I also talk. I can, I can talk, right? So that, that doesn't help. But uh, it did. It taught me patience um, for the things that I wanted. It taught me a lot of things. But I saw this really, really strong, strong woman, um, these, both, both of these two strong female influences in my life. And it's interesting now, my ideal client and my actual client, um, it's, it's really interesting. 80% of my clientele is female, 80%. And I think it really comes down to the feel and the respect for um, a certain mindset, a certain way of being. And um, I just find it really fascinating. I mean, the other 20% are male that are marketing, that are analytical, that are usually very intelligent. That, I think, reflects on who I am. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say I'm an intelligent person, um, and I'm more analytical. Um, but that's, it's just so interesting, the influence that, uh, that those two have had in my life. You brought up the word mindset. I love it. I want to hear your take on it. Um, how prominent or conscious is that in your world today and how so? Yeah. So I'd say now mindset is something that I am aware of. Um, I've seen, and, and I think everybody has seen and, and or felt this, that when my mind drifts into the negative, into like, ah, oh, man, this month has been tough haven't had as much uh, has as many clients or um, I haven't you know I've, I don't feel like I've been productive well my results then also follow suit it's really interesting you know I because of that one thought or those thoughts maybe I don't go to the gym as much right or it's okay to have you know or to pig out for a couple of days or it's okay to just not socialize and just you know, I need some time to myself. Like it, 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 it starts to slip into this in, into one direction, and um, and I don't mean the boy band necessarily. However, we could break up at any moment. First that's, and foremost, that's brilliant. I love that. But, um, but the reality—that's the reality. Is like, but when my but now it's it's a very conscious thing. Whereas in the in the past, it was like my mindset controlled me. It was like. Well, if you're going to think negative things, well, I'm just going to give you more of that. And I would be like, ah, I hate my results. I don't want this. How do I change? Like, and it would take so long to curve back into the, into the other uh, spectrum of things. Now it's, it's just a matter of flipping a switch. If, if I'm not feeling some kind of way, I will go to the gym. I will, you know, my physiological response can also help shift my mindset, uh, just as 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 simple as being aware of something. But it's just like anything else for me. Mindset, it's 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 like literally everything else. It's something that you can practice. It's something that you can strengthen like any muscle. Um, but it takes awareness. And now it's like it's everything in my business. If I see myself slipping, 
well, guess what? I'm not attracting as many amazing clients, right? I'm not, um, I'm not, you know, there's, there's dis-ease in my relationships or in how I feel about myself. So it's, it's awareness. And then it's just, it's just like anything else. You got to practice it. And personally fully agree. And personally, I have to look at this version of me, really this unmasked true version of me, like I had an addiction and all, all same rules apply. I can't just, you know, once or twice a day or once or twice a week or once or twice ever, uh, work on it and think that all is good. No, this, that was, um, you know, uh, an addiction of mine that I am overcoming and, um, I have to treat it like that. And I certainly do. This is a, a conscious, deliberate effort in various ways, day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you is is money important? Wow. Okay. Let's go. Yeah, um, man. Yes. I'm gonna say yes. Um, uh, some people say no. It's not about the money. It's not about these things. And it's it's not directly. But money to me is an energy. And I will tell you this: when people say money doesn't buy happiness, I agree. Um, but it's it's never hurt in in certain ways. So. What I mean by that is when, um, man, this is going to be so funny for a lot of people. When you look at your bank account and you're frightened of what you see in, in like the in the negative kind of way, when you're you know when you're when your bank account has eighteen dollars in it and you've got rents and you've got gas and uh, you know bills and whatever, that's scary. But here's the interesting thing: it's not the fact that your bank account is in a less than nominal uh, standing that creates your mindset or your feeling about it. It's very much so the opposite. Your mindset, the way that you approach things, the the feeling that you carry your mindset is what I believe determines what's in your bank account. That's an energy. When your energy is, is focused in a certain direction, um, then everything else is affected by that. Meaning, if, a, you know, we're talking about entrepreneurial type of, of things here, as an entrepreneur, somebody that's creating their own way, if your mindset is crap, guess what else follows? Everything. Your result. Like we already know the, the belief cycle. Like your beliefs change your um, – your like there's so many different ones. I'll, I'll break it down to the simplest. Beliefs uh, in, impact your thoughts. Thoughts uh, affect your actions. Actions produce results. Your re results reinforce your belief. Okay? If your belief is such that – like things are tough, I'm not good enough, whatever. That's, those are your thoughts, the, the, the substance of your belief, which then influence your actions. You're not showing up powerfully. You're not attracting the right people, opportunities into your world. Therefore, your results suffer and your belief is reinforced that you're not good enough. You want to be right. We're going to make ourselves right. And here's where you know we can get off into another tangent, but money – we bring it back to that. That is a result. The result of the actions that you've taken from the thoughts you have based on the beliefs you carry. So money is important. It's a, for me, I'm all about impact and income. The way that I can measure my impact is from my, my, my income. If I'm not impacting, then the in does not come. Does that make sense? Like there's nothing, there's, the result is not there if I'm not, if I'm not doing my thing. Sure does. Fantastic response. Very honest and truthful response. 
So let's take you back, your you today. Go back to nine-year-old Michael. What do you say to him? Nine-year-old Michael. Um, I would say I am proud of your, um, your transformations. And the feelings that you have are normal. And in fact, you are built for something amazing. Believe that, know it, and live it. Beautiful. What mantra, what one mantra do you live by each and every day? Yes. Um, it's something that, uh, that I feel really deeply. And actually, I feel like this might tie in everything that we've that we've talked about um, in one way or the other, but I, I'm, I'm trying to phrase it in something that, that I think would, would really make sense here. But when you are, um, when you're truthful about who you are, you attract what's meant for you. Wow. Love it. You've, you've been through a lot. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Good and bad, um, everything happens for a reason. And I believe our mindset, our outlook on life uh, dictates the result of what, uh, you know, kind of what transpires from, uh, from different situations, circumstances, things like that. I, I'll tell you this much, man, when something quote unquote bad happens, I kind of love it because I get to learn from it. And it, it sounds, you know, cliche, but that's the truth. There's so much learning in, in the feedback of life. And if you're, if you, again, if you practice this approach, you learn so much. And again, another muscle deflex is taking action. When you're able to see it, be aware, pivot, take action in a different way, you see better and better results all the time. You're going to see bigger and bigger failures, but those failures, we all, we all get it. Fail forward, fail fast, all those things. But that's in, in the most practical of terms. Um, everything happens for a reason. When something doesn't go my way, I understand that it's something bigger out there. there there's, there's, there's something that I get to, to witness from that um, just by staying the course and or pivoting, you know, whatever the case might be. How does spirituality or religion play a part in your life today? Um, yeah, I'm glad we're not going deep with these questions. Um, <laughs> um, I love it. So for me, when I was 16, <laughs> when I, okay, well, let's take it way back. 11 years old, little 11-year-old Michael, I start playing drums. And I love playing the drums. It's, uh, it's, it's an amazing outlet for so many, so many reasons. Um, so five years later of me playing drums, okay, let's, we're good. No, this is I'm good. Still laughing. We, we need to laugh on this. I love it. Um, right. people listening, like, I hope you're giggling along. Yeah. Um, but here I am 16 years old. My, um, my uncle got my, myself and my cousin, same age into a youth group. Um, at a local church, and um, here I am. I've been at the the youth group a year and a half, two years, and here I am, 16. And uh, the youth pastor, he's like, "Hey, I know you play drums. 
this uh, in like two weeks or this coming weekend, whatever it was, we don't have a drummer for church. Would you want to play? And I said, absolutely, I would. You mean I get to be on stage in front of people and playing drums and amazing. It'd be my first time playing, playing on, on a stage with somebody, you know, other than just myself and some headphones. And so, you know, Wednesday comes up and we have our practice and I, I've, I've, I've played as much as I can. I don't, ha I don't own a drum set, again, grow up without, without financial means, but I, I play a wicked pillow. And uh, here I am, I show up, I start rocking out, we have our rehearsal, it goes really, really well. Sunday comes up and I'm just, I'm stoked. Here I am, I get to rock out here, uh, you know, it, I'm 16 and, you know, I remember sitting there and, uh, you know, the pastor comes up and he, you know, everyone's taking their seats and he welcomes everyone. He says, welcome to, uh, welcome to church um, and happy Father's Day to all of you fathers in the audience. And I could not contain myself. And in that very instance, everything came together. Michael, everything in your life was put there for a reason for you to be sitting at this drum set in a church on Father's Day when your father's not in your life, but you get to realize that everything happens for a reason and I am here to show you the way. That's the message I got, plain as day. And so understanding for me that there's a bigger picture here, it fires me up to take action in the direction of my, of my dream, of quote unquote, my dream. And that for, I mean, there's no, like that, that's the role that it's all, that it's played from, from that day forward. I realized like, you know, if something quote unquote bad happens, it's who am I to say that it's bad? It's, it's there for a reason. You know, the, this is tying in all of your questions here. I think really, um, you like, odd how beautiful your questions have have been for for my my story here but man it's it's just knowing that there's something bigger than myself knowing that there is a reason why things happen knowing um why i've i've grown up in a very specific way it's because i am here to impact other people that understand or, or that are the person that i was i get to pull that person work with that person in very unique ways because i get it because I've been there and because I've chosen to learn from that, um, that's why I'm here. And it keeps me going. It keeps me, you know, battling against those feelings of even four and a half years ago um, uh, and stronger now than ever before. Mm, stunning, stunningly chilling. Um, wow. Uh, something you said triggered a, um, a, a, a quote that really hit me recently, which is simply, there is no good or bad only thinking makes it so mm. and you could think whatever you want about that phrase but it be the truth at least in my world and that's my reality there is no good or bad only thinking makes it so agreed absolutely what do you think happens when it's all over okay so again going yeah, yeah light just real light light duty okay Surfaced. Um, you know, I, I feel like there is something more. I feel like there's something after this. And, you know, there are certain um, instances in my life where I, I've felt like I've lived through it before, um, that it feels very familiar, almost like deja vu. 
Um, it almost feels um, usual. It feels like normal, although it, there's no, you know, I've never in this lifetime ever experienced something like that. And, you know, it, what that means to me is that there is something that um, after this physical life that we experience, um, uh, I, I, you know, from, I, I can't tell you what that looks like, honestly, but, um, but yeah, there, there's something else. And I have a feeling that, um, that we, we live and we learn, we live and we learn and it's, and it's, um, kind of probably a never ending process. Hmm. I will leave you with this one question, Michael Marcial, how do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as the most regular guy. Tell me the most more. Regular, the most regular guy who is willing to say and do the things that we, that we have always thought possible. I want to be that person that because I'm the most regular, not even just regular, I'm the most regular, okay? <laughs> the most normal average person that has seen and, and has felt such levels of appreciation of, uh, I would say gratitude, but gratefulness. Um, and in that a success, um, a lifestyle that I love, um, being able to take action against the things that I want, um, that it's a subconscious and I hope even more so a conscious permission slip for others to finally do the same thing, to live a life that they actually want. Wow. I, I don't know why this just popped into my head, but uh, we are recording this also with a um, with an angle of video for our uh, benefit here. And I was just watching you and I don't know why this popped into my head, but I wish I had the Michael Martial bobblehead doll sitting on my desk. I don't know why. It just feels like it would it would look good. It would make me feel good. Um, if, somebody, <laughs> if somebody wants to uh, jump through the screen and give you a big old hug or give you a, a, a high five, how can they do so? Yeah, you know what? I live on social media, um, namely Facebook. So if you are listening to this, you are on Facebook, hit me up. Um, I'm usually at the, uh, the friend limit. Uh, at least currently, there's a 5,000 friend limit on Facebook. But shoot me a message. Let me know that you heard me here on, on Josh's show, and, um, and we'll connect. I'd love to, to chat it up with you. This has been extraordinary. Um, I don't think that's a secret on so many levels. Michael, thank you for being you. Thank you for opening up, and thank you for continuing to show us the way. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Until next time, go get them. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.